I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of bookselling in the 21st century. This week, we're in Nashville, home of Parnassus Books. Jointly owned by acclaimed author Anne Patchett and Karen Hayes, the Parnassus story is an inspiring one. Born at a time when both the media and landlords were saying that books and bookstores were dead, Anne and Karen teamed up. I talked to Karen about how they first went against the grain, but now lead the charge for indie bookstores across the country. The famous Parnassus dogs also managed to be a part of the conversation. Here it is. So you're a publishing veteran. Uh, I, I read that you've worked for Random House and you worked for Ingram. Uh, can you take, take us back to your journey to the point where you were introduced to your now business partner and, and, and how, the, how the store eventually launched? Um, I had been working, like you said, uh, with, with Ingram with my introduction to the book business. And I was with them for 12 years. Took a little break for a little while around 1990 and then got uh, a job with uh, with first with Harper, but for a very short time based in Florida, but got back to Nashville um, in 93 um, and worked for Ben uh, Bal- Ballantyne um, and uh, was lucky to stay with them for 18 years, calling on independent bookstores in the huge, you know, just ever-changing region as the, as the business kind of I just went through some major changes. A lot of uh, independents went out of business during that time because the chains were becoming so um, big across the country and moving in and kind of stepping on the territory of these independent bookstores and and doing business in a way that, that was really different, you know, the superstores and all that. So, um, and at the same time, publishing was consolidating. So I ended up, you know, at one point, selling all the Random House imprints, which is the large—they're the largest publisher in this, in, I think, in the world. Actually, it's it's Bertelsmann that owns them in Germany. So, um, is that still the case? Uh, yep, that's still the case. Um, and then um, I just uh, at one point just felt like I uh, had kind of it, watching this region kind of guy as far as independents go i uh i moved over to calling on a chain bookstore um and i ended up being so unhappy i just was ready for a change myself um even though i still loved working for uh it's now penguin random house but um at that time davis kid in town that had been here for 30 years and had been bought for that last 10 years by another regional chain called Joseph Best, uh, ended up going bankrupt. And uh, I never considered opening a bookstore before then um, because of how hard it was and because we had David's Kid, which really was a fantastic store, but it, um, it just it didn't work with, with the new ownership. Um, I read that it was profitable. Yet it still closed. It was still profitable when it closed, but it was thirty thousand square feet, and I think it was heading towards, you know, at some point not not being profitable. Um, it was in a very expensive location, even though it's across the street from where we are now. Um, I think I think at some point they would have they would have been in in major trouble. Um, 
So, but it was it was the entire chain that kind of brought it down. So, yes, I think they could have stayed open if they were still somewhat independent. Um, so uh, there was this wonderful. Um, we have a wonderful library organization in town, and they started holding community meetings about what they would, what we could do to bring an independent back in town because they knew that that brought authors to town, that that helped boost the literary, you know, um, appeal in the city. Because if you can't sell the books uh, when an author comes to town, then you don't do the, you don't get the New York Times reporting. And when publishers send authors on tour, that's what they want. They want the reporting for these sales to uh, to count um, right. uh, in the New York Times and the USA Today. So, um, so the library was very smart to hold these community meetings, and um, I started going to them, and uh, I started thinking about the idea of opening a store myself. I had a colleague who was also a sales rep at Random House open a wonderful bookstore in Brooklyn with a with a partner um, called uh, Greenlight, and they they've been very successful. And um, so I kind of thought, well, I can do something like that, small, and um, just a neighborhood bookstore, bring it back to what um, bookstores used to be. You know, just a real part of their neighborhood first, and and solidly catering to those people in that neighborhood. Um, but when I looked at my finances, I was like, I can't, I can't afford to go without pay for a year. I can't afford to do the bookstore myself. So I kind of set it aside for about a month. But then a random house announced that they were part, they were merging with Penguin and they were offering early retirement to employees over 50. And I was like, that's my my signal. I can, I've got pay for a year and I could possibly fundraise for the community. So I started talking to people in the community and, and it finally came around to a friend telling, telling Anne that I was interested in opening a bookstore and Anne was also had considered doing it herself, but was wisely talked out of it by uh, a friend of hers, you know, because she has a full-time job already. Um, right. So we sat down to lunch with a, with another mutual friend of ours. Um, I had met her a couple times briefly, but really did not know her. And I showed her my business plan and my ideas about opening a store. And she was, she said right at lunch, she said, why don't we just partner? I don't want to have a board. I don't want to have another group of people involved. Um, and I can, I've got the money to help you open that store. So Sounds um, it's, it's it sounds like a, it reads like a dream. It reads like a book. It reads like a movie. It's it's, it's fantastic. It really is. You know, yeah. um, I read uh, about that encounter that you had, and the name was pretty. The reception was pretty lukewarm. Um, when yeah. I when I when I read that, it actually to me it spoke to your vision and resolve. How did you manage to keep the name even after the initial resistance from you know a famous author whom you didn't really know and but was ultimately planning to invest? How did you how did you work that over? It seems like I might have manipulated it, but there was a Facebook page that was set up when when Davis Kid was going out of business. It was keep Davis Kid open, and I was good friends with those people. And I, you know, it was it was obvious Davis Kid was not going to reopen. So I asked, could I post something on that page to say there's this there's these people interested in opening a bookstore and. These are the names that we thought of. So I put two of Anne's ideas and my idea. 
So it was completely blind to anybody. And Parnassus actually came out being one that people voted for. So um, so I think that helped the argument there. And um, and so it, and she ultimately realized, you know, I'm the one that's going to be here every day. And she, she writes about that. But right, right. It, it also really works with the city because we're considered the Athens of the South. Parnassus is a, it comes from Greek mythology. Um, and, and we've got the, you know, replica of the Parthenon here. It just kind of, it works. In some ways, it just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of times when you, when you try names out on people, you've internalized it and you've thought about it for a long time in your mind. But then when you say it out to a certain individual, it's, not always received well, but it takes a little time to grow. You know, names take time. And now it's, exactly. you know, now it's, uh, you guys are the patron saints of indie bookstores since 2011. <laughs> well, there were, there were, uh, there's a bookstore in Jackson, Mississippi that was one of my favorite bookstores on the, on the planet. And it's called the Maria Books. And it's another, you know, mythological name. And, and they have become an institution. They're a really fantastic literary bookstore that have been around for 30 years, or more than that probably now. So if, if they can overcome, you know, an odd name like that, so can we. Right. Can you talk for a moment about the initial challenge of finding a landlord who would rent to you? Um, even with financial backing, it was a, apparently a little bit of a journey. Yes, it was. It really was. Um, we had found uh, one place we just really fell in love with. It's it also in the area that we are now. And we could not get the landlord to talk to us. And finally, we got the answer from him. And he said, I'm not, I'm not renting uh, to a bookstore. They're, they're, not, they're not viable. Um, so it was, we just got a lot of... Um, responses like that but also it's just hard in this growing city and growing so fast to find the right space at the right price and the main thing that that one of the founding owners of davis kid um just drove home to me was parking you've got to have parking and um and there there would be a great space but it wouldn't have parking so you had to have all those things come together and I had a, a friend who is in commercial real estate, and I had seen the property we're, we're in now, and I saw the price of it, and I'm like, we can't afford this place. But she, she said, let me talk to the landlord, and he was just really open to having a bookstore. He knew how beloved Davis Kid was. He's been here long enough to know that, and he knew that a, a bookstore would be good for the shopping center. Um, so we were really lucky to find him. He he didn't even know who Anne was. It wasn't him that convinced him. Although I'm sure once he met her, because she's she's very, I mean she's great. <laughs> so I know he they've become friends, but he had no idea who she was. So well, that helps. It makes it even makes it all the sweeter. So uh, I want to I want to uh, talk a little bit about some macro ideas in the industry. You know, there's uh, you mentioned uh, Greenlight in in Brooklyn. Um, there are dozens of, of small bookstores across the country right now that are opening. They're actually opening okay. multiple locations and they're becoming mini chains. Uh, San Francisco's got some stores, Seattle, Brooklyn. And, and you guys also have uh, done a few brand extensions where you have uh, the mobile bookstore, you have an airport location. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, what's going on there? This not maybe three or four years ago, the narrative was that bookstores and books are going away. Yeah. Um, I think the reason that I got into uh, that I 
thought that the idea of a bookstore would work is because I looked at the bookstores that survived. And um, there's one in, in particular in Kentucky called uh, Carmichael's. It's a small store. They, they have had two and three stores in Louisville. Right now they have uh, three stores. They've got uh, a children's-only uh, store across the street from a, uh, an adult bookstore and then another full-line bookstore. But they're very small stores. And they survived uh, a chain that was very similar to Davis Kid and Joseph Bass. Uh, there were, at that time, that chain had, they were superstores. They had, I think, three, maybe even four in the Louisville area, along with Barnes & Noble and, I think, Borders, too. So they survived through all of that. And I just thought, really, you don't have to be a huge store and service the whole city. You can't compete with Amazon anymore. You just need to be a neighborhood. And if you are not worried, if you're not trying to build some kind of big superstore, some big empire, you just concentrate on your neighborhood. You can, And you know that that neighborhood really wants a bookstore, which is what Greenlight did, and what all these other independents are doing, you can you can earn a living, and you can, you can uh, hire booksellers, and and uh, and they can earn a living too. So we have expanded somewhat. I mean, we've got a bookmobile. Um, it's as much promotion as it is sales. Right, right. <laughs> it's you know, it's not a big money maker, but it's really fun to have, and people love it. Um, and we partnered with Hudson News, which is a, a chain, you know, for our airport stores. So we haven't really done uh, the small chain, and I think I think Nashville could certainly hold it. It's just that both Ann and I don't really care. We've we've got a lot going on outside of the store as far as off-site events and and author events and, and things like that. We've got a, other ways we can grow. But um, but I can see how how the Brooklyn bookstores word and, and Greenlight, you know, it's it's very tempting to do that. And, and they can find the right neighborhood and they can open that smaller store that fits that neighborhood and not try to overexpand and become, you know, huge, huge. But um, And have a bookstore down in Athens, Georgia, she's done a fabulous job. She's got two bookstores in Will so. Yeah, I reached out to them, actually, for the series. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that you were going to say that Parnassus West um, in California was in, in the works. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I just turned 60, and I'm I'm happy with what we've got. I'm really so happy. It's so much fun, and I'm not spread too thin, and we've got a, a great staff, and, and they're, like I said, we're all earning a living, so... It's, it's fantastic. It, we're happy. Can you talk a little bit about bookstores as community spaces? Um, and what I mean by that is a place where you can just be, you know, whether or not you buy a book. How do you keep that model sustainable? We're just, you make it a welcoming place. When people come in, you make sure that you say hello to them and you, you say, you know, are you finding everything you need? And, and if we're here if you need some help. And um, and just let them do what they want to do. We, with our, we expanded a couple of years back and we were able to put in what I kind of call the living room. There's a, there's a couch and there's a couple of chairs and we sell chess boards. So what, there's a chess board on the, on the coffee table and, you just walk by and you see families sitting there. If there's a, if there's somebody that came with a friend and they're not that interested in looking around, they can sit down and their friend doesn't feel pressured to, you know, get out of there really quick because they're standing behind them. Um, and then we have our, we made our kids section 
as playful, and we, we continue to tweak it, but as playful as we can, we've got a little door that they come through. Uh, we've got stars. Uh, Starlights above. Um, we've got a beautiful mural that a local illustrator did. Um, we've got a little painted room that has our picture books, um, and we've got a train set which David's kid always had, and that was such a huge draw for for kids. Even though we don't sell it like David's kid, uh, there's a wonderful toy store close to us, and they always give us a new one every once in a while. Um, so, so it's just it, it's a great place that. Parents know that they can come and their kids will be entertained. We have dogs so that when you walk in the door, a dog greets you and you can pet a dog. And um, you've made it. It sounds like you've made it a true. Uh, what they what I've I've heard from a lot of other people as well. Call it a third place. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And then the author events. You know, we we do a lot of local author events. Uh, it's a big part of our. Our mission is to sp- support local authors, uh, along with the, uh, the major authors. We've, we've done some really nice fundraisers in the store. We had John Prine uh, in, and, and we did uh, did it as a fundraiser for a local charity. Um, we've done uh, a couple of things like that with uh, Bailey Fleck and Abigail Washburn, uh, really well-known um, international musicians for our uh, Humanities Tennessee, which um, which is our partner for the Southern Festival of Books. Um, so, you know, we're doing fun things yeah. as much as we Are the, can. Is, is author participation in stores pretty fluid, or is it a bit of a challenge orchestrating it all? Oh, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it's something that is a huge part of what we do, and, right. and we love it. You know, it's, it, it's a lot of work, um, but it's... It, so worth it. Um, Do you broadcast it, your events online? Yes. We've got a website, parnassusbooks.net, and uh, there's a calendar. And and we've got a very strong participation in our Facebook and Instagram and, and um, Twitter. And we also have our own online literary magazine called Musing um, that Mary Laura Philpott edits and does a lot of the writing for. It's got um, Anne's blog is a part of that. We, we do staff recommends every once in a while. Great author interviews, um, the Shop Dog Diaries the point of view from from our shop dogs at the store. So it's it's uh, we've got a lot of ways to reach out and promote our events. Um, I want to go up uh, about 30,000 feet and kind of uh, just have you get your opinion on a couple of uh, macro concepts. Recently, many senators have expressed what they call a sympathetic attitude towards tech giants, saying that the world would be a worse place if they weren't in it. Do you agree? Um, you know, I think there's definitely a place for... Uh, for tech giants, and uh, certainly, certainly, we use Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, but as far as Amazon goes, um, there are people that, that that need Amazon, and it's hard when you're living in certain areas of the country um, to survive without it because the the large superstores are kind of dying out, and um, and it, you know it's kind of a catch twenty two. A lot of it's their fault too, but. Um, You've just got to compete the way that you can. Um, I am no Amazon fan. I, you know, <laughs> I haven't stepped foot in a Whole Foods since they made the announcement. Um, this, I'm, I, I really am not an Amazon fan at all. But when you see that they're opening stores now, physical stores, what do you make of that? Um, I think that they are just trying to, you know, get more members to their prime. Um, it's it. it I have not been into one of those stores, and I, I will, will probably make it when I go up to to our uh, trade show in New York um, this time. 
but every time I've heard it's you know from people about it it's it sounds like a pretty cold experience you actually described it perfectly I've been to a few of them mm-hmm. um, in in different states and uh, I don't see it as necessarily a competition for an indie experience I really don't there yeah. are there are books there and there are face out but it's very transactional kind of very quick mm-hmm. so the consensus that I've had in the handful of conversations that I've had for the series has been that, you know, the indie experience, people that shop at your store know what they're getting and they're not going to get that someplace else. Exactly. I agree. Yes. What two to three things can bookstores, and for that matter, any brick and mortar business be better at in 2018 to be profitable and sustainable? Well, I think, you know, you just have to know your audience and and it's something you've got to work on every day. Um, your your customers um, and what they buy, what they love, and listen to to them and pay attention to what's selling and make sure that you bring that stuff back in or change it out when it starts getting stale. And I don't know, you know, you really just have to, it's customer service all the way. You have to really connect with them um, and make sure they're happy when they come into this into your store. I read about, I read an anecdote where, you know, people literally come into your store saying, I, I want a book or I need a book, but they don't finish the, uh, they don't finish the sentence. And, and, uh, you guys are, one of the things you love doing is putting books in people's hands. And obviously, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that, and that is something that you can't get online. It's something that you can't even get when you get, when you read a recommendation on Kirkus reviews or some other place you need, um, you like to look somebody in the eyes and kind of just have that little, that little human encounter, it makes, the, right. it makes the book reading experience that much better as well. I just love talking about books. So, you know, even if even if you are just coming in here with your with your kid or something like that, you know, and, and just want to talk, <laughs> we're happy to talk. Sure. So. Um, you, you've been on both sides of the table. You've been on the publishing end and you've even been in the, distri- in the distribution side and now you're on the retail side. What changes would you like to see within the industry as a whole? The industry, I don't know so much. I would like our politicians to really understand local businesses, period. I mean, uh, and make sure that when they're doing legislation that they're not favoring the large, you know, chains, or especially the online, um, because it's hard to compete with that and and giving large businesses. And I'm talking about not just the, the industry, but but independent businesses as a whole, because they're, they're the things that give a city the character um, that it has. And, and with Nashville growing so fast, it's kind of scary. Um, you know, it, it, we keep um, trying to attract, you know, I, we were in the bidding for Amazon, we, and I'm sure we're in the bidding for many other large businesses coming in. And uh, I think our, our local politicians, who are sometimes so fabulous in so many ways, just don't understand that 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 you're going to lose something if if you don't keep the the uh, uh, playing field um, even um, and give those incentives to small businesses too um, because your city's not going to look the same in ten years. So true. You know, one it sounds like such a simple fix to just being able to not make them so beholden to larger, bigger, you know, special interests, but it's just, a, right. you know, as soon as they, as soon as they get elected, what do they say? They, they start running for a reelection and, yeah. you know, in, a lot of things like, especially small businesses get lost in the shuffle. Um, do you think discounting can be fixed? What forces control the possibility for even beginning to change that? 
That's a hard one because I've talked to, I had some international booksellers that came in uh, recently and uh, in Germany and, you know, she talked, she was, she was upset about not being able to discount, but they can't return. Um, they can't return books. Where oh, they can't can. send it back to the publisher, right? right. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're pretty much stuck with the book and they can't discount it. So that's a real hard one. And, and there's other, you know, retailers out there that, that have to deal with that too. So, but, but it's unique. I, it's, I, I feel like it's unique to books to a large extent because the discounts, yeah. as Amazon has kind of revealed, the the supply chain is there's such a huge margin for discounting. Whereas in a lot of other retail businesses, you know, pick whatever commodity you want. There's not the consumer is not so used to going into a store and expecting to be able to find it online for 30, 40, 50, 60 percent off. True. That is an Amazon thing. I mean, they they started out with with books as a loss leader, and they and they still are pricing in that way. They're not making. I, I can't believe they're making that much. I mean, now they're dealing with volume, so they're probably making a little bit. But when they started out, it really they weren't making money for for you know, years until until, until yeah. very recently. So and people don't understand that either. They you know you can't compete with that, and so you have to compete in other ways. And I I don't. I don't know that you can legislate, you know, I don't know that you can do that. You just have to compete in a different way and just say, these are your customers and they understand the value of what you do. And if you're not in the, you know, I feel bad if you've got a large store that you've had for years and you are trying to figure out how you make that store still viable and you don't have any way to downsize to match your market. But it's, Yeah. It's a tough one. I don't, I don't know how you can do that. Um, what does the word bookstore mean to you in 2018? Um, a welcoming place, you know, just a, a yeah, a community center. I mean, that's that's not a new idea. That's what what we are now. What are you reading right now? I am reading um, the um, Madeline Miller's uh, new book, uh, Circe. And uh, she's just, she brings um, Greek mythology to life. Um, just really fascinating characters and storylines. And uh, her last book won the Orange Prize. It was Song of Achilles. Um, she's just a great writer. Are there any writers out there you'd like to mention that you think should be getting more attention? Mm, that's a good question. Um, yeah. Yes, I know there is. I can write you. I okay. Will you. No problem. Or maybe <laughs> we can maybe we can circle back to it at the end. Not a problem. Uh, okay. And again, the, part of the fun of not giving the questions in advance is that you get these great yeah. spontaneous answers. Um, right, right. Can you recall and share any surprise walk-ins that stand out in your memory? We we had Jeffrey Genevieve just walk in one time, and um, it was just he <laughs> left a note for it. This is Jeff. I'm I'm just here. <laughs> just. And all of us are like, oh, my God, it's Jeffrey Jensen. <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah, and we had, um, Anne is friends with Yo-Yo Ma. We had him come in. Uh, I saw as that. a surprise to her. And he, he brought his cello, and he sat down and did a little mini concert one morning, um, which, you know, just for the customers that were here, was such a treat, let alone the staff here. We were all so thrilled. And he Were the customers great. that were in the store, were they just like happily surprised or did they have to get tickets yeah. in advance? 
No, it was a complete surprise. We didn't know about it until that morning. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and it came in about 10.30 or 11 in the morning. So we really didn't have much time. What's the best thing you watched recently? I'm watching The Crown. I'm still not done with it, but I'm enjoying it. I don't watch a lot of TV. I try I try not to watch too much, so, but I, I'm enjoying that. The Crown is an exception. We, we love it at home, too. Yeah. Um, if you weren't a bookseller, what would you be doing? I'm probably doing something visual, which is kind of weird because I think, you know, um, I fell into the book business, but I, I, when I was younger, I wanted to be an artist, but it was really obvious. And I was so clueless that I just, I didn't have that kind of talent if I had um, gone to school for something that had to do with the visual arts, you know, I probably would have. Um, but I was kind of doing the 70s thing and had a, musician boyfriend and got a job at Ingram and didn't graduate from college and just ended up in the book business, which was so lucky and so great. So, I, you know, I don't know what I'd be doing, but it'd probably be in the visual arts somewhere. Complete the sentence. Nashville is. Nashville is growing. <laughs> and Nashville has gotten, gotten fun. It's gotten to be such a fun city. It was always lovely, but it's, it's, it's fun now too. Uh, a couple more. What book have you recommended the most over the years? Mm. Oh, gosh. Um, well, Parnassus on Wheels is one I've <laughs> recommended a lot because um, it's a fun little thing you can tuck into your, your travel bag if you're, if you're traveling, and it's been in print since 1917, and it's just a delightful, quirky, funny, fast-paced little gem. Um, so that's that would be the one I'd, is I'd that, say. Is that one of the Parnassus dogs I hear? Yes. Sorry that you can hear that. I've got the door no, closed. No, not at all. It's, I, I love it. Um, we should do an interview mm-hmm. with them next time. Final, yes, exactly. Yeah, final question. Um, what's in your ideal sandwich? Um, I, oh, gosh. Um, there's a wonderful sandwich that's made by Dozen here, and it's got salami and pickles and just really great seasoning. It's, uh, it's so good on those. Fabulous baguette. Um, that is my favorite sandwich. That sounds great, Karen. Thank you so much. Um, your uh, your story uh, getting to this point is like a fairy tale, and I'm glad that I got it to is. talk to you about it. Um, I wish you and I wish Parnassus well. And if you guys are ever thinking thank about you. doing Parnassus West, just just holler at me, okay? <laughs> I have some ideas. I will. Thank you so much for your interest in the store, and I wish you luck. I can't wait to to hear what you come up with on this. I'm Vic Singh, and you've been listening to Book Stories. Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles.